Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank, sponsored by Suit Up. Happy to have you with me on this Wednesday morning. You know, typically on Wednesdays, I'm joined in the eight o'clock hour by Rage Occasion Associate uh, Head Baseball Coach Anthony Babineau. Uh, Bab's not able to join us today. Top is going to join me in the eight o'clock hour today. Brad Topham hosts the Top Stake and. Typically joining me on Fridays is our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, Gus Cattengale. Uh Last Friday, Gus was traveling. This Friday is Good Friday, so we are going to get him in this week, and we're going to get him in right now, right out the gate on a Wednesday, Pro Nola segment. Let's jump right into it. Host of the Sports Hangover in New Orleans at ESPN 100.3, my friend Gus Cattengale, a Cracklins connoisseur, if you will. Good morning, Gus. What's up, dude? How are you, man? Good morning. Good to hear from you. Yeah, I, I'm I'm doing well. Um, let, let, I want I want to talk Pels with you and point Zion and, and things like that. But let's let's start with the Saints here. And uh, we didn't chat last week, but Marshawn Lattimore's arrest last week. Uh, he was not charged. He was arrested. A lot of people have been asking me, how do you think this will impact um, you know his future with the team? I. I, I I mean, I, I have I have a number of thoughts on it, but I want to let you go first. If you think there's any impact, how you feel like, uh, you know, his career moving forward with the Saints will be shaped one way or another as a result of that arrest. You start. Um, bottom line, it's just not one way, shape, or form. And that, to me, means... You have to know what where you are, the company you keep, and all of that. Um, I, I understand there's, you know, hey, we your friends and all. I, I get that. I, I do. I understand that not everybody has the same path and everybody's background and stuff may be different than yours and your whatever. I, I, I get that. But like I said on the air the day that it happened, it, my intern walks in my room and he's picking me up or something and giving me a ride and he's like, here, have this gun. I just, I, I, I have a hard time passing it off as the, I didn't know. And I don't know if that's the defense because we haven't heard from him or anything of that nature. Um, you know, the statement from his attorney was, it was a misunderstanding. I, again, what, what am I holding somebody else's gun or something? How's there a misunderstanding? But I guess my point is this. You probably know when you get in that car if anyone has a gun, if the people feel that they need to have a gun, why would you feel that need? Well, Gus, everyone cares. I, I understand that, but I also understand that I'm not in the line to get a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract extension. And I don't know about you, Scott, but I'm going to be extra careful. You know what I mean? Like I, and, and I think that's the thing. And, you know, having a buddy – and law enforcement, he said the first thing that popped in his head was that that was the gang unit that made that arrest on a traffic stop. And I think we've seen enough shows, whether it's you know, Law and Order or the A&E police shows, that traffic stops are like the number one way to try to, you know, see if there's anything in the vehicle, if it's somebody you're trying to get, things of that nature. So, um you just got to be smarter than that. It's the best way to, to put it. And, and what I think, bottom line, at, at the bare minimum, what it's done is 
even if you want to go with the eight, misunderstanding, great guy, doesn't doesn't hang around with gang members, doesn't wear or carry or have a gun or need a gun. All right, let's just say innocent bystander, he needed a ride, he got a ride. What it's done, though, it's opened up questions that maybe weren't going to be asked, right? So at the very least now, and I would think reasonably expected, if Vince is going to sit there and ask Mickey before we give him a contract, is he a gang member? Does he hang around gang players? Is he carry guns? What kind of person is he? Is this, is this isolated? I mean, is this really a mistake? How do we know this? I mean, but, but that's now five, six, seven questions I've asked that maybe I didn't need to ask. And you add the NFL situation to it. I mean, we were talking about this on the show this week about Deshaun Watson. I mean, that guy's now almost a 20 lawsuits. One or two, you can maybe play off as, you know, the owner's friend and all this other stuff. You start getting into the high teens and deleted text messages or things. You don't think the NFL took away draft picks or is going to find teams for dancing without a face mask. And we've seen them implement uh, punishment even if you weren't even arrested. So at the very least, you've opened up questioning of who you are and what you're doing. And, and that's the unfortunate aspect of why I say you have to know better. And, you know, it, it's, it's not young man or this or that. I mean, I, you know, it, no, it, you know, you, you know what you hang with, you, you know what you're doing, and you just have to be smarter. You know, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know where it, um, it leads them on this team because, again, it opens up questioning. And the first thing that popped in my head was, well, you do have a player, and this is his history. When he is locked in and wants to, Scott, you've mentioned this a hundred times when we've spoken on, you know, our segment. When he wants to be, he can be a shutdown, lockdown corner. When he is engaged, he can do that. And by his own words, he says the hardest thing for him is to take every play and treat every play and every receiver like it's the Bucks matchup or, you know, it's Julio Jones. So you have a guy who self-admittedly sometimes checks out. So was this one of those moments? Is this who he is? And, look, he's a great player when he wants to be. And something like this makes you pause is what I'm getting at. I think there wasn't a pause before last week, right? And, and something like this maybe gives you pause. Maybe after the pause, you still do it, and you still feel good about it, and that's fine. Um, but there's no doubt in my mind that because of this pause, you're probably going to have to vet more than you probably, if at all, would have done before. ESPN 1420, I think that's the the way to look at it. Right now, it's a pause. Like There was a lot of, uh, a lot of us who thought they're going to try to extend them this offseason. Now probably content on playing at that, that, that last year of the rookie deal, right? $10 million cap number this upcoming season. But I think it, it really comes down to um, – it's worth noting, Gus, there have been no locker room problems with Lattimore, right? Nothing right. of that. That hadn't been reported. Uh, so I think, I think if that had already – if there was already baggage before this arrest – now you're like, okay, this is probably it, right? 
you look at the other side of it, okay, is it isolated? Is it not? Like you said, you got to do a little bit of homework, but now you have to pause and ask questions that perhaps you weren't asking before. For me, I think it really comes down to what happens next in this case. You know, if it's dropped, if it's gone, I think they value his talent enough where, you know, they're like if it's, if it's PJ Williams, with respect to PJ Williams, I'm not trying to knock him, but if it's PJ Williams, you know, they're, they're not signing to do a one year deal. It's like, we'll find someone else. This is Marshawn Lattimore. When he is playing at his, at his peak, probably the most talented cornerback in the history of the franchise, right? And so you're short of that position. You, you know, you, you want to keep him there. I think it really, if the charge is reduced or if the charge is dropped, I think you're likely looking at Lattimore in a long-term deal. Now, they go out, you know, draft another cornerback one who comes in and ends up, you know, having a, is a defensive rookie of the year the same way Lattimore was in 2017, then, then maybe, maybe the decision's different. But I'm not anticipating that. It's hard to find elite cornerback so if the charge you know if, if it ends up sticking and it's something serious then I think they might move on if it's reduced or dropped I think he'll end up signing an extension or excuse me not an extension I think he'll end up signing a deal to stay with New Orleans but it's it's not going to be before next season it's going to be after next season and that's assuming there are no other issues you know between now and and a year from now uh, that that's, you know, I, I hate to say, well, we got to wait and see, but literally I think a lot of it's going to depend on how this case plays out and that, that will go into the decision along with obviously how he plays next season. But in a contract year, I think Lattimore is probably, uh, I'd venture to say with, with a lot of eyes on him now. And as you said, added questions, I'd, I'd venture to say he's probably going to have his best season as a pro next year because he's going to have to. And that's the thing, right? I mean, that's what you um, have got to put yourself in that situation to that. Now, look, um, it, it could be nothing. It could be something. And, and that's why I brought up earlier with the, the fact that that was the gang unit that made that arrest that was tailing them. Um, they're not just by circumstance driving down the street and having to pull somebody over. In other words, you're probably watching that car, one of the occupants in that car, and, and that's why I brought that up, that it wasn't just a regular troll unit. It was the gang unit. So what I'm getting at is if they know that there's somebody in there and they're keeping an eye on, and you would think Marshawn would. <laughs> so, look, I, it's just unfortunate because, like you said, you haven't had that many problems with them, if at all, in any, um, you know, other than just him – being engaged and being um, into it um, all the time in every play. And, but, I mean, look, it, it's one of the things that I thought was interesting in our conversation that we had um, back on Monday with Mike Triplett of ESPN. We are just kind of talking about, hey, you know, at the end of this week, it's you know, the month of April, and the draft is here. And we were talking about that, and he goes, look, whether it's quarterback, and he brought up Lattimore and, or anybody's like, I, he had trouble going back to a year where you legitimately could say there isn't any position that I would say, you know what, the Saints don't need a draft there. I mean, whether it's for depth or whether it's for legit, you know, starting. And he's absolutely right. And, you know, again, 
it's all that because of one instant. Maybe we're looking into it too much, but I don't because you're not – I mean, you're looking at a multi-year, multi-million dollar deal. Now, I would think it would be even more scrutinized in the NBA, MLB, where it's guaranteed contracts. End of, end of the day, it could be Junior Gallet. Scott, you know, you, you give the guy a massive deal, things happen, you cut him. In the NFL, you can cut him. Now, you lose the guaranteed money. But it's not like you have to pay out the entire contract, so it's not as detrimental as it would be with the you know NBA or something of that nature. But you know, again, it, it brings up a pause. It's the best way to kind of look at it. That, that didn't need to happen, and you know, I would have assumed that Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis probably looked into this year and the year after this as. Seasons where, you know, we have one corner. We just need one more. We're looking for somebody to replace Jenkins. And, you know, now it's like, well, well, what if we need two? And here's the other thing, Scott. What if Marshawn Lattimore feels it's disrespectful or, you know, he doesn't like the fact that he's not getting an extension this year. And he's like, hey, man, I didn't do anything wrong. And, you know, now you're making me play this out. I don't want it. You know what I'm getting at? It's a big difference in trying to find one starting corner, to now two starting corners and the elite corner like you were bringing up to start this conversation. So, all because of one instant. ESPN1420.com, Gus Cattengale, our guest uh, right now. It's the great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. Gus joining us on a Wednesday. What in your mind, while we're on the Saints, is the biggest positional need right now? Is I, I, I think... I think it's corner because after Lattimore, I think there's a big drop-off. I think D-line is up there high. Some have wide receiver at the top. I think that there are a lot of needs on this team. But what in your mind is number one on the list? I still think you're not moving me off of uh, linebacker, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, you're just not – and it's not you. I'm just saying, look, and I – I get it. I get it. Look, if, if you don't have Lattimore, you have a miss here. But if you don't have him moving forward – and all those things. Look, I'll say this. What is remarkable is you can look at how this team's constructed. And the beauty of it now, Scott, is we, 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 we get fascinated. And I understand because, you know, we're waiting and it's the first one. We, we fascinate and salivate over the first round. Pick. And look, I get why. I mean, they typically normally need to be, as you always say, at bare minimum a starter. But you're hoping that first-round picks are cornerstone pieces and all, you know, a, a, a Pro Bowl-level type talent. I mean, that's what you hope when you have a first-round pick, which is why there's such disappointment in Marcus Davenport. But you're hoping that. But what's remarkable is when you look at the Saints, um, they've had so much success in middle to late rounds that, that is actually where their bulk of their talent and team comes from. And you look at eight picks, guys. They got eight picks now, you know, with the compensatory picks that were given to them. And those two thirds at fourth, I mean, this team has shown the ability and desire to use, you know, to, to basically like why wait, you know, for the, the next three rounds of the draft, you know, we'll be done by the fourth. I mean, it, they have found ways – without these many picks, to go get two, three players in a second, or two, three players in a third, or, and then just, you know, whatever with the six and seven, which is what I think they're going to do this year. Look, I, I, 
I, I look at everything where, where they are need-wise, and I think what they've got to do with the first pick. There is no, to me, developmental player or things like I need to go get a playmaker. I, I, and now we can go back and forth as to what spot and what position, but I need a playmaker. I, I've got to get a playmaker out of that. Um, and the other picks, that second, those thirds, you can absolutely find starters. You can find depth. You can find some guys that can help you, whether it's corners, whether it's D-linemen, um, with the receivers. I, I, I think you're probably going to see them do that as well and see if the other guys develop um, to that extent. But I, I just keep looking at what a playmaker would do on this team. And, look, man, I, I've had a – daydream fantasy man about what would it be like to either have Collins or JC Horn but JC Horn has this ridiculous pro day where he runs a 4-3 and jumps through the roof at 41 inches he ain't nowhere near going to be in the 20s and I don't know if the Saints are going to go that high I could have seen him get you know 16 17 18 from 28 still a ton maybe early 20s I don't see them going to what I've seen now J.C. Horn's inside of 15. You know, he's 12, he's 11, he's 13 max. Um, Collins is going to be something up there. So, but you take what Mike Triplett said, you know, like, hey, every position's available. So do you then just sit back and at 28, best player on your board is who you take? I could understand that because in this year, yeah, it makes sense because I've been preaching Scott, that this year needs to be your remodeling of the kitchen and bathroom here. Just don't do anything harsh. Um, I think the, hey, you're doing everything for the Super Bowl thing, just pause on it and, you know, try to set your house in order. Get solid good picks. Make sure it can, you know, add to your depth or find some starters and, make that push in two years, three years or something. And it's because you still don't know what you have at quarterback. I keep saying this. I, I don't know who I have and how they're going to play. They're not Drew Brees. So you're going to construct the team a little differently to tailor to that quarterback's, you know, best personal traits. And I, I just think you, you need a season to sort of see that. I'm not saying we're not trying to win. I'm just saying when you're, you know, giving up four picks, Scott, to, to move up in the first. And I, I just don't see why the Saints would do that. You know what I'm getting at? I mean, I, I just – because, as you mentioned, with the holes, with the desire in the futures, I mean, look, it, you know, I, I've read one report that like the D, DN. They're talking to some DNs. Well, why do we need a DN? Well, Cam Jordan's not going to be here probably in two years. You and I talked about that um, recently. Um, so whether it's a contract, it's age, it's trade value, I, I, I think – you're probably seeing Cam Jordan's last year here, two at the most, at the most, at some point, even if it's father time, you're going to need another DM at some point. So I just keep telling Saints fans, look at this as a two, three-year remodel, reset to where you don't have to worry about cap. You get your, uh, still a young team that's going to be competitive. You'll be pushing for a playoff spot. You'll find what you have at quarterback, and then you can sort of move forward. But, I really think this team needs to go find, you know, a playmaker on that defense, Scott, because I keep looking at it, and I don't know if I can answer that 
in terms of is there a legit, it's third down, I need somebody to make a play that I can consistently depend on. And I know it's a terrible comparison because he's unique, but I need a Devin White. I need a Deion Jones. I need a Luke Keekley, which is why I keep coming back to linebacker. Um, those three guys, different teams in the division. I mean, and, and look, and Devin, you can say, well, look, the corners for, for Tampa did well. The, the D-line for Tampa, I get that. Who was making the plays? And and all I'm saying is they literally have a, have two linebackers, but one in particular that can pretty much nullify Alvin Kamara, who I think is really good. So I'm not saying I can find that in Collins. I'm not saying I can find that in the Penn State linebacker that had a tremendous pro day. But I I think fans maybe sometimes don't think of the impact that a line a playmaking linebacker can make in today's NFL. Um, to be able to go around because quarterbacks are getting rid of the football quicker, so they're shorter passes, which means there's tackle opportunities. And if he can go in between the line and go make a tackle on screens, go make a tackle on pass outs, you know, crossing routes over the middle, stop the run, pressure the quarterback, you find a guy like that, he can immediately impact the game. not saying that a quarter can't do it. not saying that a safety can't do it. Not saying that a second receiver can't do it. But again, you look at this past playoff run. You look at that team when they play the Saints. You look at some of the games that the Saints struggled when Drew Brees was good. Dallas, all the, it was the play of linebackers that really disrupted the Saints offense. So I I I keep looking at other areas and then I always keep coming back, Scott, to a playmaking franchise linebacker, man. I just, I, I've been dreaming of one. <laughs> I just, I really want one. When you look at, like, I, I'm, Gus Kattengall, I guess, I'm listening to you and thinking about the player on the team for the Saints where if they get hurt, where is the biggest drop-off, Okay. So you can look at receiver and say, okay, well, right now, after Michael Thomas, it's Traquan Smith, pretty big gap, really big gap. After after Marshawn Lattimore, okay, Patrick Robinson, P.J. Williams, really big gap, right? Demario Davis, and I get it, like linebacker, you're looking at Will inside, outside. I get all that. I get it's more simple than just a single position, but I, I, think, I think that's where the widest gap is. I mean, outside of Davis, what, what do you – I mean – Zach Bond, that guy's never been an every-down linebacker in his entire career in football from, you know, high school, college to now. He's more of a rushing type. I mean, he didn't get on the field much last year. If they Linebacker is a position that, obviously, I think they're going to be zoning in here in the draft, and, and yet to find a guy to come in and be able to play right away. Like Anzalone, I mean, one-year deal for less than $2 million. Clearly, they wanted to move on from him. And and last year, he got replaced by Quan Alexander when they made the trade. But that is a position that they are fully aware they are ultra-thin at. And I think when you look at the biggest gap from one to two, if you're looking at position by position, and I know it's, again, linebacker, there are multiple linebacker spots, I get it. But outside of Davis, man, you've you've got nothing that would – that would make you feel comfortable, that would make you feel safe. In fact, all you have is opponents' game plans and opposing offensive coordinators saying, attack that guy right there. And, yes, you like to play a lot of nickel packages in Dennis Allen's defense. I get it. But you better have another linebacker other than Demario Davis or you're 
you're toast next year. I mean, you know, you're, you're gonna get you're gonna get carved up a lot. See, you just literally made me want to go get like some Pepto when you were talking about. It. That's my point. I mean, there is no, you got no, no doubt. I mean, it's the morning. I mean, there is no um, help. You know, when you look at it, and that's what I keep saying. And look, there's no guarantee, man. Whether it's you know the top couple of linebackers that you're seeing that can come in and and maybe be the type of players you want. You know, you're just kind of hoping. But, man, you just look at that game film. You look at that ability to be able to move all the way around. And I think that's why I'm in love with Collie so much is that you see his athleticism as somebody that can do everything that I just said. And I know that's a lot. It's a big risk, you know, to cover a running back, to rush and pressure the quarterback to be able to make tackles on tight ends or cover a tight I get that. But you watch him at Tulsa, that's literally all he did. And the guy, you know, and again, look, I'm fixating on a certain player that more than likely isn't going to be there unless you move up and, and go. But to your point, um, would that not be something that would make sense for a team that is um, – Try to look at a, a foundational piece moving forward. As you said, look, I love the Mario Davis. Um, but, you know, you gave him a little help or you paired him with Quan Alexander, an athletic linebacker, and you saw how good this defense was. You know, and I, I've had some things saying, well, you just wait for Quan to get healthy. I'm like, oh, that's fine. You can do that. But even regardless, um, Quan had a massive deal. So it's not <laughs> – it's not like you're going to get him back for a million dollars or anything of that nature. And even if he does, he might be back for a year like that. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you know. We, uh, we lost you there for a second, Gus. But, uh, yeah, I was saying that even regardless, when you look at um, what that team had before when they had him, you know, they gave him a big deal. So, you know, you're back to where at his spot in his career – that's what he's going to want, whereas if you get a rookie, you essentially have him for five years, and it's not going to cost you nearly as much. ESPN1420.com. Gus Kattengill, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, our guest. You are listening to the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up, Suit Up, menswear and tux rentals, the absolute best in menswear. It's locally owned and operated. You need dress-up, they got you. You need casual, they got you. You need alterations, they got you. You need to rent a tux, they got you. You need to rent a suit, they got you. You need to buy a suit, they got you. The best service, the best prices, the best selection. All in one place. I stand by it. Suit up, suit up. They got that Southern Marsh clothing line. You know, the one that's popular all over the globe right now that was started right here in this great state of Louisiana. I love the Southern Marsh line because of the comfort, man. That field tech fabric they have in it just feels so good. It's a little chilly out. It'll keep you warm. It's a little hot out. Kind of cool you off. That comfortable. I like to sleep in it even though I shouldn't because it's that comfortable. They got great specials right now. Two suits for 300 bucks on select suits. They've got... Um, you know, you go buy you go buy a sports coat right now. They're going to get you a free pair of dress slacks. If you got a wedding coming up, you need to book it. Book it there, right? Right. If you have if you have a wedding party, fellas, that's five or more. Guess what? The groom, he's going to get his tux rental for free. The ring bearer have fall. Groomsman forty dollars off. Amazing deals. Amazing service. They got it all over there. Suit up, suit up. When you go, tell them you heard about it on the Great Scott Show. The Pelicans have been suiting up and. Um, 
you know, extreme at times, but they got the win over Boston earlier. They got a winnable game tomorrow. What direction is this team heading in post-trade deadline? What to expect from Lonzo Ball when he gets back on the floor? We'll continue our conversation with Saints and Pelicans correspondent Gus Cattengill after this short timeout in the 8 o'clock hour. Brad Topham is scheduled to join me. We'll talk about the Final Four being set, some Diamond Sports as well, UL and LSU baseball. It's all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday, the final day of March. Final Four is set. We'll talk more about that coming up a little bit later, but let's talk about some professional basketball on the hardwood. It's the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. For those of you listening online, the stream brought to you by Champagne's Market and the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. We're visiting with our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, Gus Cattengale, no local shows this Friday with a good Friday holiday. Gus chatting with us this morning. And, Gus, we talk Saints. Let's talk Pelicans for a moment. And um, were you surprised by any of the moves or non-moves, either way you look at it, that the Pelicans made last week at the trade deadline? Can't say I was surprised just because David Griffin said so. <laughs> I mean, um, I'll tell you one thing that's been very interesting in the last two weeks is Stan Van Gundy and David Griffin have been pretty open. They pay attention, Scott, to Twitter, huh? They pay attention to what's being read, uh, written about them, and whether it's Brandon Ingram's clutch in the fourth, Lonzo Ball, J.J. Redick, Bledsoe. Uh, this team pays attention a lot, for sure. And it's been almost interesting to an extent of almost feel like I, at, at, at first, I thought almost like a disconnect in terms of what how David Griffin viewed this team to how everyone else sort of did. Um, but it, it, it's simple. There's no other way to look at it other than, A, again, listening to the words that David Griffin said about Lonzo Ball and, you know, calling the Twitter Otzi and saying we're the ones that kind of create the narrative about Lonzo that he basically kind of made him like LeBron where it's either all praise or all hate. And, I, I again, I... I wouldn't say that, but, you know, I mean, some of that, there's reasons as to why people feel that way. You know, you sort of feel that with Bledsoe and, you know, they get that win back on Monday. and You know, you have Josh Hart be very vocal about how he feels about Bledsoe and, and, you know, all all this hate as Sam Van Gundy says it comes their way or B.I. and I either go out of their way. I mean, David Griffin treats Monday. That I guess Brandon Ingram is in clutch because he made a shot. I'm like, yeah, that's great, David, but he has it most of the season. <laughs> it's just, it's just very interesting to me that you have. And I guess the only way I can come up with as to why you see that is I think it's a very young team, and I'm seeing a concerted effort from the head man, David Griffin, to the head coach of trying to keep the confidence level of these young players up to show them they support them overwhelmingly. I've never seen anything like this, you know, where, look, some of the discourse and some of the discussion is warranted. Brandon Ingram has been hot garbage in a lot of games in the fourth quarter. Bledsoe hasn't been a goat. I mean, there's a reason people don't want him to be on the floor. Correct. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of reasons on this. I mean, what, what are they, 4-1 without Lonzo Ball? I mean, they, 
Have you missed Lonzo when he's been sitting out the last couple of games against somebody? I mean, that's what I'm getting at. Yet you hear Van Gundy and you hear Griffin talk about them. And I mean, they're, they're almost trying to sell you that they're, you know, they're, they're a lot better than what you're seeing. So I think a lot of it has to make sure their confidence doesn't waver and that's their job and that's their job. So, but I, I don't know how else to take that. I mean, David Griffin's been silent on Twitter for about a month and a half. And then, you know, aha, I thought y'all thought Brandon stinks. Like, congratulations, you made a shot. What do you want me to do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was just, it was just very odd um, on that. But I get it. I, I understand why that is. Um, so, no, I'm not surprised because I think you have to see what you have. Now, you know how I feel about Lonzo. Um, I, it's not personal. I just. You see what you have in Kyra Lewis. One of your best ball handlers is Zion, which is another topic we can get into, and a lot of people start to talk about it. Is he is point Zion moving forward? I mean, is he LeBron? Is he what I said on my show earlier this week? Um, you know, Michael and some of these other guys, Kobe, I'm not comparing him to that status right now, but what I'm saying is the one common denominator all those great players had was when the stuff hits the fan or it's winning time in the fourth, they have the ball in their hands. Right? I mean, like all those teams that I mentioned, those players, they have quote-unquote point guards on their team, but they're not handling the ball. The, they, they are. It was Kobe. It was, you know, MJ. It was, it's LeBron. It's, well, now D-Way was a, was a point guard, but you get my point. I mean, you, you had those guys bringing the ball up the court. And what you've seen in the last, I don't know, six games is an absolute transition to – Win time means Zion time. I, and I told you about it last week. I, the Zion rules I came up with, and, you know, I was joking that they needed to have him laminated and put him in the locker room and have people, you know, his teammates realize that. Well, they have, and, and they're doing it. So how do you construct a team now? It's different. And, and that's why I just keep looking at it. I, I'm still having trouble seeing where Lasso's role on this team is um, moving forward because you're going to have to make a decision now by not trading him to either get in the bidding war to try to keep him and you're going to pay him handsomely, probably four or five years you're going to talk to him. He's not going to take a two or three year deal. And, or you lose out on him and you get nothing for him. So I, I, that's probably the one move that I was surprised about because I just still don't see, you know, where that is. Now, again, I'm Gus and David Griffin, words out of his mouth, Friday after the trade deadline said he sees those three as the cornerstone piece, which again, he's the guy making the calls, but so where, where does that put Tyra? Where does that put, you know, the kill Alexander Walker? It's just, it, it's, it, it's an odd, I guess, stance to have, but that's the stance he, uh, he's with right now. It, it, where does that put Josh Hart? Who I'm a Josh Hart stand. Like, I, what he brings to the table, right? Multiple 15-rebound games. Uh, just just the hustle, the heart, all of it, right? You could go on and on. But, you know, if you're going to keep Lonzo and pay him the kind of contract that, that he's likely going to get offered at some point as a restricted free agent, it's going to be a little more difficult to keep Josh Hart around. And I, I, for one, hope Josh Hart is a Pelican for a really long time because of what he brings on and off the court. And yeah, you know, he got testy when he said what he said about, you know, the, Eric Bledsoe's critics. But the other way to look at that, Gus, is that's just a guy being a teammate. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's not 
I don't look at that and say, man, what the hell, right? Like, you know, if he had said, well, you know, I mean, he's got to do this and that, then it could be spun as, man, what is he talking about his teammate like that for? I mean, Josh will, will, will you, you, you know, you've heard reports of him calling out guys who aren't going at it and playing hard, and then at the same time he'll defend them to the public. Um, and I, I think that's that fine line between being a good teammate and not making things public, if you will. I just hope that that whatever these offseason plans are when and there's a lot of games between now and then and the Pelicans, you know, trying to finish at least in the top ten in the West so that they can have a postseason game or more. Um, but but I, I hope when the offseason comes that their decisions at last week's deadline don't end up leading to Josh Hart playing somewhere else. Right. And that's kind of the point that I was referring to is, you know, you're going to tie yourself up with some money that you just better be darn sure. And look, and I'm not saying he's not a good player. I just, you have to be in the Western conference. You have to either be a shooter. You better be able to defend the shooter, but more importantly, you better shoot. Right. And what Zion's done is he's changed how you're going to view this team as to how you're going to construct it. Because if he's going to be a ball handler and a playmaker on multiple ways, whether it's assisting or scoring, then you need a guy who can consistently score. And, and I'm not saying that he can't, but we get excited because he gets 16 points. I mean, I, I just look at the Western Conference and the teams are trying to contend with whether, you know, it's, I mean, it. Pick a point guard, man, in the top 10 teams right now in the standings. And I just check yes or no as to which side you would go with or who's a better, you know, scorer or defender. And, and I think that's kind of my issue with it is I just, I think there's a, I don't know. I wouldn't even say a ceiling or a barometer. I, I just, I don't know, Scott. I just, I, I always feel like you have to sell me. Does that make sense? Yeah. I always feel like you have yeah. to sell me. Yeah. On that player, right? And and if you have to sell me on that player, and I'm going to commit four to five years at at least twenty five. No, God. You, you know what I'm saying? 25. You get what I'm getting at? Like Jeez. you have to sell me. Like I no. can see instinctively in Kyra Lewis what I hope, what I hope Lonzo Ball will be. Like I, I don't know. Am I wrong? I, I don't tell me. I, I've never even talked about this on the air, but I'm asking. It, it is the separation and difference between Lonzo and Kyra. Now, I understand years play, but I'm just talking about in terms of what your eyes see at times. So, like, give me the, the best flash of Lonzo and the best flash of Kyra. Is it a Grand Canyon cat, you know, size? I, 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 I would say no. Grand Canyon, if no. there isn't, no. right. And if there isn't, then I don't know if I can commit 80 to 100 million. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Like, I think your point, I think your best point there, Gus Cagnell, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, is um, if you have to sell us, right? If you have to sell me, like, and, and I get their extremes and some fans have to be sold on everything, but let's be real. The vast majority of us and the fan base and pundits and everyone that covers the league after last season was not saying, oh, you can't give Brandon Ingram that contract. Like, like there might have been one or two, but you know what I mean? Like, you didn't, you didn't really have to sell anyone and say, what the hell are you doing giving him this contract? Like, he earned it. It made sense. And, and I know that, you know, as we said, sometimes late game decisions, there's got to be growth there. But you didn't really have to sell anyone on him after last season. 
right? You don't have to sell anyone that, yeah, when it's time for Zion to get an extension, it's going to be the max. Like, you don't have to sell anyone on that. Um, I don't think you have to sell anyone. Well, I don't think you have to sell the majority on Josh Hart, high mid-level exception. Lonzo Ball, you got to sell him on it. And I think, I think that right there, that point you made, that's what's telling. Yeah. Doesn't mean it, it might backfire. Doesn't mean it, it might not, you know, work out great. It just, it means it is a calculated gambles. You know what? Not all gambles are created equal. Some are much higher than others. And right now it just feels like a high gamble if you end up giving him that extension that some think he's going to get next offseason. And so mm-hmm. if if you could have traded him even for anything and kind of moved on and gotten the young guy's time, and then at the same time he's only 22, you know, he can get better. So I, I'm not sitting here, and I, I know I, I should have a strong opinion, what the hell are you doing? It feels more safe to move on. I'll say that. Doesn't mean the decision's going to be wrong, but – I uh, if I was a bet man, I would I would I would bet on you know what if they end up giving him a huge extension, they're going to regret it. That's my take on it. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the way I've been looking at it. Is that um, I think especially with with Lonzo having been out recently with that hip flexor, um, you're just seeing more and more. I mean, Scott, we're going into that game against, you know, Atlanta went on Thursday and he's had seven games of no turnovers, Kyrie Lewis. And you could tell me, well, he's not playing a ton of, he's playing and it's seven games. I mean, I, I, even if it was one minute of action in seven games, I mean, it, there's still a high number of odds that would say, hey, you know, it's a, I slipped and I dribbled or I thought Scott was going left and I passed it right. I mean, He's played seven games without a turnover. And that was Lonzo's big issue. Um, you can see the guy likes to drive. Well, well, we're trying to get Lonzo to drive. You can see Kyra can, can teardrop it and can shoot. Well, Lonzo's going to improve his shot. I just feel like when I'm comparing the two, already the kid that David Griffin two weeks ago was telling us we didn't, we drafted him, not expecting him to play, which I don't get that philosophy at all. Um, because you're not the saints, like the saints. I could understand if I was a perennial playoff team and I'm drafting rookies and you know, okay. I mean, like if I'm the Nets and I'm drafting the guy right now, you're sitting behind Durant and Kyrie, you know, I, I get that, but you're a team that's not a playoff team. And you're telling me you're drafting somebody and not expecting them to play that. That's not a very bright reason, but he's playing so good that he's forcing more minutes, and he's seeing more minutes now in closing. So again, if I'm seeing that trend that way, and with your current quote-unquote point guard, I'm hoping he shoots better. I'm hoping he drives better. I'm hoping he defends better. (laughs) All of those things are me hoping, but I'm seeing a guy already instinctively does that. So like I said, I, it's been a very – I could do an entire segment with you, man, on David Griffin. I think there's a lot of things that are, are really good and solid about him, and then there's a lot of things that I guess you know, I, I will say, let's just wait and see, uh, uh, candidly, uh, about some of the philosophies and thoughts. Yeah, you know? and yeah he, I, he, I think he deserves – He for sure is not like – I get the sense and feel is not like being questioned. Correct. Or – um, to not feel that he's got it figured out, and you guys just 
wait and see and, and trust the plan that I have in place. You know, I just, I don't know. I trust my eyes and what I see. And look, I could be completely wrong. I did, you know. The honeymoon period was over this season for Griffin. I mean, it was. And, you know, they're four games under five hundred. And uh, there have been things that have happened that leads plenty of I, – I don't feel that at any point this year the questions that have been posed by you or I or anyone that follows this team or covers this team have been out of line. Um, I don't. And, you know, if he gets butthurt about it, oh, well. You know what I mean? Like, it's hey, you put it all on you. You, you, you take the good with the bad. That's just – that's what you got to do. ESPN 1420.com. Uh, that is Gus Gattengill. He has been our guest here on this Wednesday Pronola segment. Give him a follow on Twitter at GCAT underscore one T. That's at G-K-A-T-T underscore one T. Host of the Sports Hangover in New Orleans at ESPN 100.3 weekdays, noon to three. Gus, I appreciate the time as always. Thanks for joining me a little earlier this week. Have a happy Easter with the family. All the best, brother. And uh, thanks for talking some Saints and Pels with us this morning. You too, man. Always a pleasure, Scott. Good, uh, good chatting with you, and happy Easter to everybody. All right, big thanks to Gus. Coming up next, the final four is set. Who's going to win? Who's going to cut down the nets next week? Let's chat about it. Plus, in the 8 o'clock hour, Brad Topham joins me in studio. It's the great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. It's ESPN1420.com. Don't go anywhere.